Listen, if you have been around the church, not just our church, but like kind of like the church for more than a couple weeks, or even if you have been hanging around churchy people, okay, it is very likely that you have heard the term that we're going to be talking about this morning. You've heard the term, the gospel. Gospel. They're like, what is, what is the gospel? Because we, we hear about it a lot, man. We, like, we even sing gospel music, right? If you, if you start to hear people talk about the Bible, you, you, maybe you've heard that like the New Testament portion of, of Scripture starts with four books. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are actually those four books. You hear people call them the Gospels, the Gospels. And then as you start to hang out in a church or environment or open up the scripture, you, you all of a sudden see this word, the gospel, like showing up. In fact, it's, uh, man, I love this scripture. Paul, the apostle Paul, who was one of the people who wrote uh, the majority of the New Testament and was someone who was used by God in starting so many churches in the early days of the church. Paul said this when he wrote a letter to the church in Rome. And he starts out right in chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says this, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. He could have said, I am so deeply proud of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. Why? Because it is the power. Woo! I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I mean, there's a strong language here. In other words, the gospel must be really important. It must have something within it that brings this power of God, even as Paul says, to save us. And if you were to believe that the gospel is important, you would be absolutely right and correct. Now, the word gospel literally means good news. That's like the, the, the Greek word uh, that, it, that is used in scripture, like the actual meaning of the word is good news. In fact, sometimes when you're, when you, when you're reading scripture, you even come across places where it calls it the good news. It's the good news. And as we were reading this week in our 260 Bible reading, we, we've been in 1 Corinthians and we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And right here in 1 Corinthians 15 is probably the most intensive course on the gospel that is anywhere in the Bible. Like within this one chapter, there is so much content about what is the gospel? What, what, what does it mean? What, what, where does power come from? How should we respond to it? And what does it actually do in our lives? It's a big deal. So today, that is what we're doing. We're going to give a crash course in the gospel. Today is a crash course in the gospel. Now for some of you who've been around the church for a long time, you're like, I already know what the gospel is. Okay, well, we'll see. But there's also an opportunity like, how am I responding 
to the gospel. But for others, maybe even many who've grown up in the church, you're like, I don't, I'm not sure if I could like give a definition to the gospel. Like I realize, okay, you're convincing me, it must be important, but I don't know if I could actually describe it to a coworker. Um, if one of my children came and said, ah, what's the gospel? You'd be kind of like, mm, let's Google it. We want to do better than that. I want to help us all as a church family really understand what is the gospel? Why is it important? What's our response to it should be? You ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read the, the first chunk because this is right here. It's, this is not all that he has to say, but this is a, a good part of it. So we're going we're gonna to reflect on, on this quickly. We'll, we'll read an overview and then, then we'll get down and break, break it down. 1 Corinthians 15, the first six verses, Paul writes this and he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some fallen asleep. So I want to break down a number of the things that Paul talks about in this passage as he's giving this crash course reminder to his friends in Corinth about the gospel. First of all, I think one of the things that we want to highlight is found in verse 2 when he says, by this gospel you are saved. By this gospel. It kind of like reflects back to what he was writing to his friends in Rome when he said, I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel, because it is the power for salvation. He's saying that same thing. By this gospel, you are saved. Paul is saying, you guys, this right here is it. This is not one thing. This is the thing. This is it. By this gospel you are saved. What makes this gospel so different? What makes this gospel so special, you guys? It's because in this gospel is literally the power to go from death to life. The power of salvation. Think about that word, being saved. Maybe someone here has been resuscitated. You were dying and somebody got on, on top of you and started doing chest compressions. Somebody like saved you. We know that, that many people in today, we hear about it on the news regularly, that someone had overdosed, they were dead. And then someone showed up with like Narcan and like bam. And all of a sudden they were saved. 
We're talking about this dramatic of a change. By this gospel, you were saved. You were dead. And this is life. It is, I was thinking about that, it reminded me of, of something that was recorded in John chapter 6. John, or Jesus brings this really hard word to people, man. He's challenging them about what it really means to follow him. And it says there that many of the people who followed him walked away. That's, that's rough. You know, that's like me looking out, you know, to our church family and it's like just a bunch of people get up and just walk out the doors. And so Jesus turns to his closest followers, you know, his, the 12 disciples, and he says, are, are you guys going to abandon me too? And listen to the words of Peter. Oh. In John 6, 68, Simon Peter answered him. When Jesus asked, are you going to leave me too? Simon Peter answered, Lord, where would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. He could have said it another way. He said, he could have said, Jesus, you are the only one with the good news. You are the only one who is speaking the gospel truth to us. It is only you. Where would we go? There is no other. Friends, Paul says, by this gospel, you are saved. He's saying, this is the truth that saves you from sin and from death. And this is the gospel that saves you to new life and eternal life. The gospel, these are the words that give life to dead people. That's what sets apart this gospel. Because there are other gospels. There are alternative messages that the world would bring. But it is this gospel that brings salvation. Notice in this passage we're looking at that Paul doesn't say about the gospel, hey, hey guys, here... Do you remember I kind of like preached this word to you and it was pretty cool and you were like, we're thumbs up and, and it was all good? Do you, do you remember, remember like this was, this was a, something that I talked to about, an idea that I wanted you to think about? You know, and he didn't say, listen, remember when I was, when I was ministering and, and that one time you just raised your hand saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, it's me. And, and, you know, and it, it doesn't really matter what's happened since then or what you believe or, you know, because once you, once you raise that hand, like everything is good and you don't have to think about it anymore. Listen, in our culture, we have to fight something that is a term. I didn't come up with this word. It's like it's a real thing. It's like easy believism. Easy believism. You know, it's, it's that idea, you know, that like, okay, I said a prayer, I said I believe once, so now I've got my ticket to heaven. Like, I, I just bought my fire insurance. So no matter what I believe tomorrow, no matter how I behave tomorrow, it's all good between me and the man upstairs. 
We're all settled. We're all good. You know what? That is not what Scripture teaches. Raising our hand can be of great importance. Acknowledging, even publicly, like, yes, I am putting my trust in Jesus. But then there's like following that up with true repentance of heart. Changing who I am from the inside out. Going into the waters of baptism. Declaring publicly, right, before God, before my church family life, this is a new life that I'm now walking in. I don't want the old God. I want what you have. I want this new life in you. And then living it out day by day into my tomorrows. I mean, all of it is important. There is no easy believism here. Paul is not saying that here. In fact, let's look more closely at what Paul does say about this response to the gospel that is needed. He says four things. I think, think, no, we don't have these up on the slides, but I want want to just, no, we're going to read it again. Here we go. Just the first two verses. Paul says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Now, here... Here's these things, they're they're in italics up here on the screen. Which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. He has four things here that he communicates. You received it, you took your stand on it, you hold firmly to it, and you believe it. Just, can you just go ahead and put that scripture back up there? I'm going to be talking about this for for a hot minute here. Just leave it up there. Number one, he says you received it. Now that word received doesn't just mean like, I, I heard it like another little bit of information on the news. Oh, there's more rain coming. Do you receive that? No, I was just like, in one ear, out the other. Okay, I, I, I acknowledge that I heard it. You know, I guess I'm, I might remember it. Maybe not. To receive it means something different. To receive the gospel means that I accept it as truth. In a way that can actually like alter and change my life thinking about like what what other kind of news do we receive at this kind of level for those of you that have been married it probably meant at some point you were engaged it probably meant that like your lover looked deeply into your eyes and says I want to live the rest of my life with you I love you Listen, if you then said yes and we're married, those words, you didn't just hear them or just like accept it as another piece of information. You received that. 
It was this message that conveyed so much about meaning that had a depth of impact on who you are and who you're becoming and what your future is going to actually look like. So when, when Paul says you received the gospel, he's talking about that kind of language, that kind of importance, not just another piece of information. Then he says you took your stand on it. Well, I mean, that language, I think, should be evident to everyone. Like, that means, like, you're sticking your feet down firm, and you're like, you're ready to go. You're ready. It's like, no, this is something that you, you received so deeply, and has impacted you so much, that you are going to defend it. Like, against all other arguments, against all other lesser gospels that would want to come. You're just like, no, 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 no. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to take this to the mattresses. <laughs> or in hockey, this, I, I'm not a big hockey fan, but I knew one thing about hockey. It's like, if somebody goes like this, you want to go? <laughs> it's like they're throwing off their gloves, right? They're throwing off their gloves. You want to go? It's like, that's, that's the, the depth. Like, no, this is something that I'm going to fight for. For myself and just for the truth of even those who would be impacted by this through my story. This is worth fighting for. You took your stand on it. Then he says this, you hold firmly to it. Now, for anyone who's been part of our church for, for a little bit, you know that those words are very deeply meaningful. And we've talked about it. In fact, Kirk, come run up here really quick. Run up here. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk, did you buy that shirt at Target? No. No. No, I don't shop there. <laughs> Just right here. Hold fast. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Hold fast. Because that's what we're taught in Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast, or some translations, let us hold unswervingly to the hope within us. What hope? The hope of the gospel. For he who promised is faithful. And that's what Paul is saying here. This is the gospel that you hold to. No matter what comes, you don't hold fast to something that's easy. You need to worry about, you know, it's like, no, you hold fast to that which is true and that which is like, I'm going to defend it and no matter what comes, I'm not going to let go. I'm holding fast. He says, this is the gospel that saves you if you hold firmly to it. And then finally, he gets to this word belief. This is the gospel you believe in. Belief means putting my full trust. Like if you've ever seen people do like those trust falls, you know, like where they like fall backwards and people catch them or whatever. Listen, that's, that's belief. I, I believe that these people behind me got my back. This is like, Jesus, I believe that you have my back. I believe that this is the truth. I receive it. I plant my feet here. I'm going to defend it. I'm going to hold firmly to it. I'm going to hold fast to the gospel. Now I can say, Lord, I believe. 
I put my full trust in these words. Now, this is different than that easy believism. Like, I said a prayer once, you know, a long time ago. I went to a camp when I was a kid. I said yes to Jesus once. I mean, isn't that good? Like, all the, you know. It's not the gospel. You may have responded to that gospel initially. You may have received it once, but have you set your feet on it? Are you holding on to it? Are you believing? This is a little closer to what Jesus said about following him. When he said in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says these words, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. Follow me, follow you where, Jesus? Follow me into this truth. Hold firmly to this truth. He says you must deny yourself. See, when we say yes to the gospel, what we're doing is we are saying no. We are denying all other claims to the good news. Anything else? Individualism? Secularism? All the other isms? We're saying yes to Jesus. And we're saying yes to the gospel. And then he says, take up their cross and follow me. means I am changing direction. I am changing the direction of my life. I'm going to be living differently. I think we have this as a slide. You can just go ahead and put up that next slide. Our belief in the gospel of Jesus is full life acceptance and commitment that will be tested. Let me say that again. Maybe they'll find the slide. You got that slide? Because I want you to just capture this as a summation of what we've just been saying. Our belief in the gospel of Jesus is a full life acceptance and commitment that will be tested. You're not told to hold firmly to something or to stand your ground on this if it isn't going to be tested. If there aren't going to be some alternative ideas that are going to come that are going to try to pull you away or get you to swerve from this gospel. But it is this gospel that saves us. And then what does Paul say about those who don't hold fast to this gospel? In verse two, look at this again. 1 Corinthians 15, two. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. That's rough. I mean, that's like, that's rough language. And he, and he even unpacks that further in, in, further in, the, in the book, in the, in the chapter. Like, if, if you are not holding firmly to this, friends, you have believed in vain. Meaning, you, you did that trust fall, ain't nobody, nothing going to be there for you. <laughs> Boom! You believed in vain. Like, it was fruitless. It was worthless. 
if this gospel you are not putting your full life acceptance into, fully believing and living into. So, all right. So we understand the importance of the gospel, how vital it is. But then, Pastor Tim, can you help break us down? I'm going to say, Paul, can you help break it down? What are the contents then of the gospel? And he gives it to, to us. It's in this passage. Let's now just look at the next verses again, verses three through six. Paul's going to talk about four things that are essential to the gospel here. 15, three through six of 1 Corinthians. For what I received... I passed on to you as of first importance. And I wish I had longer right now to even talk about those words, first importance. Let me just say really quickly, scripture talks about lots of things. But he says, these are of primary importance. Like out of all the different things, love, character, how you deal with sin, how you love your family, how you love your neighbor, how you become the church, what you do with your money. All of those things are important, but not as important as the gospel. Not as important. These are the things of first importance. If you don't get this right, none of the other stuff is gonna make sense. In fact, I think a lot of the problem within Christianity, let's just say, within churches, is when people take some of these other things and they put it up here in front of the gospel. When things get jumbled up and out of order in, in scripture, so, well, but God's word says, okay, thank you. Yes, it does say that, but if you don't have it in the correct order, if you have not put the gospel first, you know what happens? Things get messed up. People get hurt. People become confused. It just, it really can be damaging. So it's important. And sometime I'll, I'll do a whole message just on that, that idea. But he says this. He says, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins. According to scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and the sisters at the same time, most of whom were still living. Some have fallen asleep. So Paul lists four things here that are central of first importance to the gospel. Okay, here's the four. Go ahead and put those up on the screen. The next slide, there we go. But here's what I want to just point out to you about these four things. Number two and number four are actually supportive of number one and three. When Paul says that Jesus was buried, what he is saying there is he is emphasizing the fact that he was really dead. You don't bury a person who's only kind of dead. So when he says that he was buried, he is like putting an exclamation point or highlighting the fact, giving evidence or proof to. Friends, Jesus was really dead. 
This wasn't some like parlor trick or he just like swooned on the cross and didn't really die. No, he died. He was so dead that he was buried. Is it, you get that? And then, number four, when he says he appeared to many, he again, he is like putting an exclamation point that Jesus really rose to life. People who didn't really all the way raise to life wouldn't go out and start making appearances to many. Showing up to Peter, to the 12, to more than 500 people at one time, many of whom are still living. What, what I love about that, that phrase that Paul drops in here, many of, listen, over 500 people, folks, most of whom are still living. You know what he's telling the people of Corinth? He's saying, right now, you could get on a boat, you could go over to Jerusalem or find, track down wherever these people have gone, you could ask first-person eyewitnesses, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Oh my gosh. It was shocking, but yes, I was there. I, I got to like hug on him or meet him or, you know, Thomas is like, yeah, I actually got to put my hands right into the wounds. Like these were people that were still alive. If this was some fabrication, if there was, this was some like, hey, let's like try to convince people that Jesus died and rose again, there would be no language like this. Hey, track these people down because they're going to verify everything I'm telling you. It would kind of be like wink, wink, nod, nod, like we all got together afterwards and came up with this really cool scenario. And so now we're going out there and risking our lives. Yeah, some of us are being martyred. Some of us are being like, you know, stuck through with swords or, yeah, Peter's going to end up, you know, uh, getting hung upside down on a cross. We're doing all that because we're perpetuating a hoax about the death and resurrection of Jesus. No, he's saying, you guys, this is legit. In fact, he, he even drops this one other thing into, he, he drops in the name Nicodemus. Did you notice that? He drops in the name Nicodemus. No, he doesn't. I'm confusing myself. That's what John does in John 19. It, it, in John 19, when, Jesus, when he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus, he drops in a specific name of someone who is part of this episode. He drops in the name Nicodemus like, do you remember the guy all the way back at the beginning of my letter? The guy that went to Jesus? Yeah, he's this religious leader. Everyone knows him. Everyone knows Nicodemus. He dropped, John drops in the name Nicodemus because what he's doing is like one of the people that everyone knows, one of the highest religious leaders in our whole community. He was one of the people that brought Jesus off the cross and buried him. If you don't think that Jesus was dead, go ask Nicodemus. That's what I was trying to say. And it's what John said. And it's like what Paul is doing here. You guys, this really happened. He really died and he really rose again. That's why I was saying he was buried and he appeared to many. So, knowing that 
His burial and his appearance emphasizes his death and resurrection. What is absolutely core to the gospel is this. And we do have this on a slide. You can go ahead and put it up. Jesus died for our sin, then conquered death by rising again. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is all about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's the one-two punch that makes all the difference in history. Friends, this is the gospel. By his death, he secured our forgiveness. The forgiveness of sin was secured on the cross. Well, what was secured by his resurrection? Our eternal life. He conquered death. Not only for himself, but for us as well. Friends, this is the good news. This is the gospel. Somebody today needs the good news. Some of your family needs the good news. Our community, our world desperately needs the good news. What is the good news? That Jesus died and he rose again. He secured my forgiveness, everything broken in my story, everything lost because of the sin of others upon me and the sins that I knowingly have walked in hundreds and thousands of times. All of that dealt with on the cross. During worship, we sang that song, you know, it's already won. The battle's already been fought. What are we singing about? We're singing about the gospel. We're singing about the cross. We're we're singing about the reality that my forgiveness has been secured. I am able to go from death to life because of what Jesus did. Changes everything. And then the resurrection. This is not only new life for right now, on earth, right? Like, because I need new life right now. But one day, this flesh tent that I'm living in is going to expire. Right? We, we all expire. Boop. Assume room temperature. <laughs> and you know what happens? Well, I don't know. Some people believe this. Some people believe that. No, this is the gospel truth on which we take our stand, that we defend, that we hold firmly to, that we believe in, that changes everything, that this life is not the only one there is, that this life is only the beginning. And so this life that Jesus died to save is now a life that will be eternal with Jesus himself. This is the good news. This is the good news. If you haven't yet started reading in 260, and you somehow missed over 
1 Corinthians 15. Keep reading because he talks about the power of the resurrection. He talks about how, friends, it's not just the cross. It's not just Good Friday, it's Easter. And if you don't have both, it's not the gospel. And he talks about the resurrection power wasn't just for Jesus, it's for us. And he wraps up right almost at the end of the chapter where he says, man, and because of this reality, because of the reality of the gospel, he's like, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because there is no victory in death anymore because Jesus conquered it. Because I get to live forever. This is the power of the gospel. And maybe you remember the words of Jesus before he returned to heaven. It's recorded actually in the, in the book of Mark when Jesus says to his followers, right at, right at the very end before he returns to heaven, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That means that part of our response is this responsibility that our lives need to be a testimony of this to bring the whole gospel to the whole world. The whole gospel, every bit of it, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the miracle sacrifice of God himself on the cross and the miracle power that now will sustain us through eternity. Friends, we need to bring the whole gospel to the whole world. This is important because this is the gospel that brings salvation. This is the gospel that saves. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your word. Because like Peter said, for us who we go, you have the words of life. And Jesus, your words bring the gospel to life for us. And Lord, we want to be people who respond to it appropriately, not only receiving it, but believing it and believing it so profoundly that we would defend it and that we're gonna hold fast to it no matter what comes because it will be tested. And Lord, I know that a lot of my friends here today and joining us online, Lord, have faced all kinds of trials and some are in the midst of trials. Lord, and I know that I am so proud of them for continuing to show up and say, I am not going to let go of the gospel. I am holding on to life. I am holding on to Jesus. And some of us need to be reminded that as tests come in the days ahead, as they will, that we can firmly plant our feet on this truth, the truth of the cross 
and of the resurrection story of Easter morning. On this we place our hope. It is the anchor of our soul. And Jesus, if there's any who are here today who say, you know, I've, I've thought about Jesus, I've wondered about Jesus, I even think that Jesus is pretty awesome. He, he must be really incredible. But have not fully responded to the gospel. God, I pray that right now, Lord, that by your grace, Lord, that you would be speaking to hearts and to minds, to lives right now about responding to life, responding to you, Jesus. And would give that full life acceptance here and now, today, Lord, to your gospel. And I'm just gonna ask people, and just keep your eyes closed, please, because this is not about making a show but I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to like, hey, would you, would you acknowledge your trust in Jesus? I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. Because today I am re-acknowledging my acceptance, my belief, taking my stand and holding fast to the words of life. And if there is someone here that you've kind of been on the fence and you've been in, you've been out, you're not sure, you have not given yourself fully to the gospel of Jesus. But today you're saying yes to him. I want you to stand to your feet. Would you do that? Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, go ahead and stay standing. Just, just stay standing for a moment. I'm not gonna embarrass you. But just stand, stand to your feet. I'm just gonna give one more moment. Do not leave this moment, do not leave this place without acknowledging Jesus. It is about you. My life is hidden in you. I accept you fully. Lord, I will defend this truth and hold firmly to it. Anyone else? I just feel like there's somebody that's just wrestling and you're just, I'm just gonna invite you to stand, not because of me, but because of this is your moment before Jesus. Anyone else? Yeah, bro, thank you. Proud of you. God, thank you for your amazing gospel the good news. And now, Lord, we commission ourselves. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. We commission ourselves to being people then we'll, who will take the whole gospel to the whole world. Lord, wherever you send us, we're gonna go. Into our homes, into our neighborhoods, to our places of work, our schools. Lord, we're gonna go. Even around the world. Even around the world. Show us, Lord where you would send us to bring life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord, amen. praise the Lord. And the gospel. I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna invite our ministry team to come forward and, and um, in just moments also, very fittingly, 
we have the class that Pastor Kalen is leading in the courier room. Um, it's the yes class. You know what it's about saying yes to? It's about saying yes to the gospel. And if you want like just extra help and understanding the reality of the gospel. I mean, I so encourage you to go over there. And did I tell you there's going to be cupcakes? Uh, I encourage you to go there. It will also help to inform you so that how, how do I become better equipped at being someone who brings the whole gospel to the whole world? I think this yes class is going to help. It's going to be good. I encourage you to go. But if you want to receive prayer and ministry for anything in your life that may be going on, it'd be our honor for our team to just join with you in prayer and ministry. Church, you are loved. Have a fantastic week. Go in the power and the grace, the gospel. You're loved.